0: Clip City is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With Game Time, you could buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Clean my house. Maybe I need a Roomba. Two taps, house is clean, watch NBA all day, But until then, I've got game time. The game time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Yo, yo, welcome to a new episode of the Clip City podcast. I am your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic, and I am joined by my buddy, the voice of the Clippers on the radio, Noah Eagle. Noah, how are you doing? And how bad of an intro was that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, that was that uh, was well done. Don't, uh, I, f- don't I feel the pressure? Right yeah. <laughs> I feel the pressure right now. <laughs> You've got some great pipes, Yovan. You know what to do with them. Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing well. And here's some advice on just just the overall podcast. I love the name, and I feel like you're missing a great opportunity to somehow get Dickie V to say Clip City, just because I think it would go well. <laughs> I think that it would fit, and you would get the juices flowing.
0: I, I've had some. Some clips uh, about me, not Clip City, that like I've saved, where people have said certain things that like I was. Think- I-, I don't know if you listen to uh, Ethan Strauss's podcast, but he kind of like his intro is like clips of people talking about him.
1: Right? Um, no, you see, no, no, where- I, that's too narcissistic. I think it's okay. better if you just <laughs> if you just straight up get Dickie V somehow through. I don't. Ha- I don't have that plug. Uh, I don't have that plug. I'll see what I can do. I don't. You okay. know, I'll see what I can do. Well, thank you. <laughs>
0: um, so we are recording this. It is what, Monday morning? Uh, the Clippers just put up a 150-piece on the Washington Wizards last night, their second of the season, which is just absurd that both of those have come in regulation. Um, but before we dive into the team, I wanted to talk to you uh, about how the season's going. This is your first year. Um, covering the clippers you know talking about the clippers and I wanted to just kind of get your pulse on on how things are going how the season's going um, now that we're I guess what a month and a half into the season little little under two
1: months yeah it's been it's been incredible I would say it's been everything I could have hoped for and then some because this team is unbelievable when you really sit down and think about it and I think we knew that coming in and when I took the job, I had already known there was going to be excitement. I, I took it before, well, before Kawhi and Paul George were announced that they would be coming to the Clippers. But I was already excited just because of what had already been built here in the past year plus under Doc Rivers and then this young core and what I had seen into the playoffs and whatnot watching their games last year. I was just, I, it was hard not to fall in love with this team. And so I had already done that to an extent. And now being around them, and, and with the the full excitement that follows this group in particular, it has been fantastic in every possible way. And the games have been exciting. The team has been awesome. Everybody has been welcoming. So it's been it's been perfect. I would say so far. You've gotten to meet me. You know, that, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty. <laughs> that's been the one downside. So, <laughs>
0: um, so what, what surprised you? You know, like like you said. Uh, At the time uh, that you started talking to the Clippers, they had not yet acquired Kawhi and PG. But people, you know, there was a buzz with this team, right? With with the playoff series and kind of heading into free agency, it was like they were in the mix for Kawhi. People thought, at the very least, um, you know, in the mix for other guys potentially. And you know, it seemed like a team on the rise. But obviously, then the the Kawhi and PG dominoes fall. uh, The the expectations for this team change. And, you know, heading into the season, they're obviously, you know, the contender, if not the favorite. But what has surprised you over this first 20 games or so, uh, either professionally with kind of calling your first 20
1: games or just with the team itself? I'd say and I'd say you could also attest to this. But the fact that you mentioned those expectations were sky high, this team hasn't let that bother them whatsoever and I feel like in hindsight I, sh- I should look back and say oh well that should be expected when you have Doc Rivers and you've got guys like Kawhi who have been there before or PG who's been in big moments and, and on teams that had high expectations or you go down the list and Lou Williams has been on a billion teams and and knows exactly what to expect going into a season but to actually do it it's one thing to say oh you know we're not letting the expectations get to us but to actually do it That's what's been impressive to me. This team comes to work every single day. It is a business-like mentality. It's a first-class organization, which I think I expected. That one isn't surprising to me. Just hearing everything that I had heard, I knew that I was walking into a really great situation. And from the top down, starting with Steve Ballmer, everything with the Clippers has become first-class. And that's exactly what you need and, and what is required, I would say, in winning a championship. So that type of stuff didn't surprise me it's it's really the fact that these guys have handled expectations and from a broadcasting standpoint uh I don't know maybe that I haven't thrown up on air yet I mean, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was probably yeah. the main fear from from the first game, but that has subsided, and it's been a, a lot of fun since Have you gotten close to throwing up on air no, yet? no luckily I've refrained uh i I did have a food poisoning incident midway through. This season so far, and uh, luckily, wow. it happened. Uh, that was kept under wraps. It was. It happened on a non-game day, and I uh, was good to go from from then on. So that was good. Did you almost throw up uh,
0: during the turbulence in Memphis? <laughs> I, or, on the way to Memphis, one
1: hundred percent. I've actually. So I love flying on airplanes. I just always have, and I usually, for some reason, I don't know why, motion always puts me to sleep. So if I'm not driving a car, if I'm in a passenger seat and it's in the nighttime, I'm going to fall asleep. If I'm on a plane, it's just going to happen. So I'd been doing work on that flight from Dallas to Memphis. And so I finished whatever work I had to get done for the game. And then I said, all right, I'm tired because I would have I like to read. That's another weird thing about me. And I, I, I really like to read novels and stuff like that. So I had a book that I've been reading I'm at the very end of and I'm like all right maybe I'll try to get towards the very end of this book and I opened it up and I'm like nope this motion's putting me right to sleep so I fall asleep (laughs) and next thing I know I wake up to myself airborne like three feet out of my seat and I'm like oh no what what's happening here because what had happened was that Memphis flight they closed the airport in Memphis because of weather and so we had to circle for a while in the air. So I just figured, all right, we'll be here. I don't know where we'll just be landed. That wasn't the case. We flew through the weather eventually once they reopened the airport. And the only thing I heard from the flight attendant was seatbelts. And so I made sure my seatbelt <laughs> was reassuring. Tight. Yeah. I made sure my seatbelt was tight, <laughs> but I, I had never felt any sort of nausea on a plane before until that one. Uh, so I definitely, definitely felt it did not throw up, which was a huge plus. I think that was the biggest win for me. And then we land and we made it to our hotel. But yeah, d- different experience. That's a, a, definitely a welcome to the NBA moment.
0: I, I'm going to blame the the slow start in that game on, on that flight. One under
1: experience. <laughs> so that so that's was crazy. And, and I've said this to people who ask me like, oh, what what have you learned so far? And I'm like the travel I know that people do talk about it, but not enough. The travel is is I don't want to say rough, but just based on the times you're getting in and then you're forcing people to go and play a basketball game later in the day. It's just it's not conducive to the very best performance. And I would say those second two games after the flights and everything like that, even maybe the first game, there was adrenaline pumping. I don't really know. I obviously wasn't playing. I was just calling the action. But even that second game in San Antonio with the lackluster start and then obviously the even more lackluster finish, that still could have been a carryover from the, the interesting flight from Dallas to Memphis. And then we don't get into San Antonio into the wee hours of the morning and then your sleep schedule is all messed up. So it's, it's certainly a factor within the overall 82 games of the season.
0: Yeah. And with traveling back to backs, I mean, essentially any back to back you have, you're going to travel most likely one way or the other, but th- that's kind of ridiculous to me, but I would have loved to have a a camera on Lou and Kawhi during that whole thing, just because I want to see, you know, we, we've seen how cool those guys are under pressure on the basketball court, but I wonder how much that, I feel like it would trans- like I could just imagine Lou just sitting there, like not being bothered at all.
1: <laughs> I would say both of them did. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> just being around them. I think that's that's just kind of how they are. It's it's just second nature for them. As Lou says, you can't knock them off as cool. And that to me embodies Lou Williams. And I would say he was more than OK on that flight. I, I think Lou, he's in the conversation for coolest NBA player. Of I all think time. he, I, I don't think he's in the conversation. I would say right now, right now, active players. I think he's got by far the most swag. I've told him this and I think he appreciates it. He's got the most swag in the league right now. Guaranteed. I mean, yeah, no, he, he he's a legend like, and, and people forget, you know, grew up,
0: um, you know, under the, the tutelage of Allen Iverson who It's also in that conversation. I think if you're looking at NBA history, as cool as players, like so, Lou, Lou, he's got a Drake song. Like, I'm a big Drake guy. So, that that for me kind of seals it. (laughs) Yeah. The
1: the other guy I can think of is like George Gervin. I just feel like George Gervin could be in that same conversation. But I don't know. Dr. J could be in there too. But I would say Lou, just based on how he carries himself, he just walks around with just a confidence. That other guys I feel like lack and that's why he's he's been so good for so long honestly in this league so
0: going back to the travel for a second um you know it's only been I guess well Clippers haven't had played many road games yet so there's still a lot of the season left uh for, for you to kind of explore different cities but what's been your favorite city so far that you've you've traveled to on the road?
1: Yeah, good question. I'd say, like you said, we haven't been to the vast majority yet and I'm still excited. And we've talked about this off the air of, of all the cities I haven't been to that I'm excited to finally see. I would say the best one so far is probably San Francisco. I had never been there and it kind of reminded me of a almost if you took like a mini ray gun or whatever you call those things and you just found New York City and just blasted it with a miniature gun like that was what San Francisco was and so it, it gave me a little sense of where I was from and I like that about it um, so I would rank that number one so far but we've got a couple good trips this this long trip coming up I'm excited for I've been to the majority of these cities that we're going to, I haven't been to Milwaukee, which is where we start, and I've heard good things, but I've been to DC. I love DC. Toronto, I, I love Toronto. Haven't been to Indianapolis, and luckily I've got some friends there that I'm going to see, which is going to be an enjoyable experience. Uh, haven't been to Minneapolis, but I have been to Chicago. So, four out of the six I've been to and I enjoy. So, I'm looking forward to at least going back and, and having a good time in, in those areas. But I'm excited for this road trip, and honestly, I think it's going to be a great test for the Clippers as well to see not just, hey, can we win games against solid teams or beat the teams that we're supposed to, but can we win games on the road consistently against teams that we're supposed to? That's going to be an interesting cog in this schedule uh, as we're about 20-plus games in.
0: I think that's a really good point, and I think it speaks to the difficulty of the opponents they've already faced—that you know, they've been top five in, in you know most difficult schedule, despite having such a home-heavy schedule. When those metrics factor that in, um, so you can only imagine if it was more of a home-road split, you know they'd probably be number
1: one by a mile. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you you have no idea how teams react to other teams. Some teams just play down to their competition. I don't see this team doing that. They've got too many veteran presences. If that's how you say it in in the plural form, I'm not sure. I'm supposed to be a man with words, Levon. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it, you got to learn how you play opponents you're supposed to beat. I feel like that's the mark of a really great team. If you take care of the games you're supposed to, and then the ones that are toss ups, you win more often than not. That's to me what what builds a champion and. The Clippers have a chance to prove that on this six-game road stand because they've got a bevy of teams that they should beat, and then they've got a few in there that are toss-up games, Milwaukee and Toronto mainly. Those are two teams that are very good and two teams that the Clippers, one beat and one did not beat, and both games were close down the stretch. So I would say those will be some good ones on the road.
0: And we know Toronto is going to come with the juice. That, that's obviously the game and of the trip. Although,
1: although I will say I don't expect Kawhi to get booed like he did in San Antonio. I would say that will be a love fest. So yeah. that that will be different. But yes, they they're going to want to win that game badly. It's, it's going to be a spectacle. Uh, although I'm most excited for the Milwaukee
0: game. You know, we're finally or hopefully going to see Giannis versus Kawhi and PG. Uh, that that's going to be a fun matchup. But going back to these cities on the trip. Have you been to the Minnesota airport yet?
1: <laughs> if not, I, I don't know. This doesn't sound promising. Have Have you heard about my beef with the airport? I, I don't know your beef with Minnesota or the airport or airplanes in general. I know your beef with Delta, <laughs> I guess. I've seen your beef with Delta on Twitter, uh, but no, re- it's, I don't a, know. it's a
0: recent. I, I love I still love Delta. Um, I feel like I've been abused lately. Yeah, I'm it a United upgrading. lifer.
1: I'm a United <laughs> lifer. So, I because Newark Airport is just basically all United. If you really go, there's Delta, there's everything because it's a huge airport. But United is their main thing. They're the hub for United, and so I'm a United lifer. And I don't. I've taken Delta, but not enough to understand the issues that John Mulaney would absolutely dominate them in his, in his <laughs> stand up. So I'm not sure. Well, so, I mean, it, this is a story for
0: another podcast probably, but uh, I have a long standing beef with the Minnesota airport because uh, I called them out in March and said, now that I've been to basically every NBA airport, I think it's the worst one in the league. <laughs> and I didn't know how provincial uh, Minnesotans were and there's like like it's been written in the washington post and new york times like how proud they might be the most proud state yes uh, of the 50 states i don't know and
1: you could get new jersey up there 100 I'm, I'm sure
0: i'm sure but i had like like 50 year old like white ladies yeah. like cussing me out on twitter and it became like it got picked up by like right. some minnesota blog well, welcome and- welcome
1: to my life if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have 50 year old white ladies cursing you off on Twitter then I, I you're not doing it right so congratulations <laughs> so, you've officially made it
0: so I'm actually well I'm actually not going to the Minnesota game but I'm flying so my my issue at the airport is I think it's too big and too spread out and anytime I've had to connect there it's been a pain in the ass where it's like a two mile walk for me and when I'm trying to you know, you know, how the, I mean, you guys are flying private. So it's, it's a bit of a different experience. But when I'm connecting, like, yeah, I'm usually oh, in a right. rush. I usually I have
1: that I understand. And I because I used to always connect through O'Hare in Chicago. And that's another well, one. That's where, a nightmare. That, <laughs> that is it, when I've, I've had like a 45 to or 30 minute connection. And I've been delayed on the first one. And I literally will sprint and be the last one on the plane. So I get it. Trust me. Takes years off your life. So I, I guess the Minnesota airport is highly regarded. It's it's won awards. It's it's
0: constantly ranked in like the top five or top ten. And I'm like, I don't care if you have five star restaurants. If I have to walk thirty minutes, you know, in the same terminal to get from my you know my arriving gate to my departing gate, like I, I'm about convenience when I'm on the road and, and traveling. Like so that's why I love Portland. Uh, mm-hmm. I know uh, I don't know if you've been there yet, but like that's a very small, compact airport. The the terminals are are, are you know tiny. And it's nice because you you, you get there and, you you know, you have to walk at most five minutes to get to your next gate. But, uh, you know, in Minnesota, it's been, you know, and now the the weather factors into it. But anyway, I'm flying there uh, on Wednesday. So I'm I'm considering live streaming it. So that was was where this was going. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because it's become a thing where uh, anytime Minnesota is mentioned, I get people, you know yelling at me on Twitter. So I feel like I have to lean into it a bit.
1: All right. So you had a lot to unpack there, but let me start with this. Did you just say Minnesota airport has won awards? Like airport. I mean, it, it like you, it's a highly regarded airport. I would love to see in, like a red carpet where just pilots are walking through with their spouses and whoever the architects of the airport were or was were there and like you have to go up and you it's you know all right best airport stop for a layover is Minnesota and then they <laughs> go up to accept the award and they're like you know we uh we couldn't have done this without your wings we just couldn't have done it uh without every but each and every one of you like what what happens at an airport award show and why is it likely at Staples Center during a Clippers game?
0: I have no idea. I, I mean, well, and what's funny is I, I've had people privately reach out to me and confirm my complaints. They just won't publicly do it because no. of the scorn that yeah. they're gonna get by going against the state of Minnesota. Yeah. So- I,
1: listen, I get it. One of my one of my good friends in college is from Minnesota and he's very proud. Even yesterday I saw a video that Tyus Jones had gotten a video tribute on his first game back against the Timberwolves. And so I sent him a message was like, so everyone just gets a tribute. He goes, he's from Minnesota. I'm like, I know, but just cause he's from Apple Valley means that he got a video tribute. He goes, he's a legend in the state. I'm like, okay. <laughs> all right. If that's the case. Yeah.
0: So no, like it, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I'm considering live streaming my experience. Um, I know like 10 people will watch, but, uh, it's been like a r- ongoing joke for the last, I, I guess, nine months now. Um, wow. So that's th- th- this was the longest tangent I've ever had on this podcast. So I appreciate you for indulging me. But, <laughs> you I, got I, I, it. but if you ever go to the Minnesota airport, just just think of that.
1: Um. Well, now I'm going to I'm going to be looking for where they display these awards. That's what I will be looking for. So uh, the, the takeaway from this
0: conversation is you hate O'Hare Airport. That's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't hate O'Hare. It's
1: just uh, it's
0: bad. It's bad.
1: It's large. Most of the time where you land is not the same terminal as wherever your connection is, despite being on the same airline. So you have to walk at least 15 minutes to get to the next flight. It's just uh, I feel like it's a little unorganized. And so that's that's my take, but I don't hate it. I fly through there a lot, and I'm fine with it. Have you ever had to sleep at an airport? No, not overnight. Uh, I've obviously been caught there in certain airports, but no i, I i've been I've been lucky, and I, I know that that will change at one point.
0: No, oh, yeah, I, I had to sleep at O'Hare once,
1: and oh, no. it, was, uh,
0: it, it was rough. Yeah, uh, li- lights turn on at 4 a.m., <laughs> which is, they're like, the, the airport's open now, so you guys got to get up, because we, we slept in like a giant, it's like a giant, it wasn't even like a room, it was basically like in the airport, like so, on, they just gave us cots.
1: Right, so then are you worried about someone taking your stuff while oh, you're yeah. sleeping? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, they, they had security guards uh, kind of surrounding
1: us. Yeah, but so what was if somebody pretty, who else, another person who was sleeping just snags your stuff and then... No, I,
0: I was very like, so I basically hid my stuff like under uh, my cot because uh, it, it was like, I don't know, two feet off the ground. But uh, yeah, no, it, I, I I mean, that, that was the thing. I was like, I couldn't fall asleep. Uh, I, I naturally am kind of like a night owl. So it, it was difficult to fall asleep. Uh, and, and then on top of that, I'm paranoid that someone's going to... Steal my phone, steal my backpack, steal my luggage. Uh, so I, I, you know, I finally fall asleep for like an hour and then the lights turn on at 4 a.m. and they're like, airport's open. So you guys got to get up. Uh, so that, that was a pretty, and then I, I was actually going for uh, my rookie camp at ESPN. Um, so wow. I, that, that was a, you know, I flew directly into, into, you know, Hartford and then had to go as a whole thing. But anyway, um, Let's take a quick break and then we'll dig into some of the trends and observations we've noticed through the first 20 games. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? The ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. StockX ensures authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. StockX has removed all the risk from buying and selling online. Now you get the hottest, hardest to find kicks without having to deal with a random buyer or seller again. Want in on all the hype? Check out stockx.com slash bball For a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's stockx.com slash bball. Check it out today. All right. So we are at the 21 game mark. The Clippers are 15 and six. They are seventh in offensive rating. They are 10th in defensive rating. And every 10 games or so, uh, I do this thing called State of the Clippers, where I kind of, it's basically a check-in with the team. You know, what are the trends, observations, storylines over the last 10 games. And I think it's kind of a nice way to just sort of keep up with what's going on, um, looking at different sort of things that I find interesting. Um, so I wanted to ask you a few questions uh, about about the team. And, and one of the things that I've felt, I've noticed really since Kawhi and, and PG have, have been playing together has been the three-point volume has increased a lot. And the Clippers, prior to that Celtics game where they made their debut together, uh, were 18th in three-point attempts per game. Uh, they've now gone up to seventh over the, the last, I guess, two two weeks or so. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like, where do you fall on the kind of three-point attempt uh, spectrum? You know, are, are you pro threes? Are you pro, you know, whatever players are comfortable with? Um, and then, you know, how, how, do you think it's important for this team to take more threes? Because I, I do feel like we've seen a sort of correlation with the more threes they're taking, usually the better, you know, their offense has been. Um, that wasn't the case, obviously, in San Antonio. But um, I think it is kind of a byproduct of trapping Kawhi and PG on pick and rolls and, and sending more attention towards them. And then you're creating open shots for for Pat or Jamichael or, um, you know, uh, Pat Pat or whoever – uh, but I'm just curious your overall kind of thoughts on on three-pointers with this team because uh, I think it's something that, that's been an interesting trend
1: for me all season. Well, I think that Paul George is the main driving force yes. behind that. He's taking 10 threes a game, and he's making 40% of those 10 threes a game, which is great. So if, you're, if you know you're going to get a 4-for-10 performance from downtown from Paul George, then yeah, put him up. You're just adding <laughs> more points to, to your output. And I think what we've seen is exactly what you said. It's a byproduct of having those guys on the floor together. And I remember talking the first that day of the Celtics game that morning. I remember talking with a couple of members of the front office and the coaching staff and said, man, it just feels like the way Kawhi plays and the way Paul plays that it's going to coincide and coexist perfectly because Kawhi can collapse a defense in the mid range or driving to the basket and then kick it out. And Paul George We knew this coming into the season, but he's just reaffirmed this. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the NBA. He's still leading the league in catch-and-shoot points. He's leading the league in points coming off of screens on a catch-and-shoot. The guy is nearly automatic when he gets his feet set and he has time and space. And so when you've got Kawhi, who draws all that attention on the interior, you got to have Paul out there just spotting up. I think that's when the offense is at its most dangerous point, honestly, when those two are playing to their specific skill sets. And then when you put guys like Pat Beverly in particular, who has really come on strong, similar to last season, he's starting to really shoot the ball better now in the last, I would say, eight or so games. I remember going into that San Antonio game. I looked at it. His first 11 games, he had shot 15 percent from three. And then his next seven or eight games, whatever it was, he was shooting nearly 45%. So the guy's figured it out. He's found a rhythm. Lou Williams has shot it pretty well from deep as of late. And we saw last night he had a couple where he just no hesitation. He's just going to put it up. And more often than not, it's falling. I think Patrick Patterson, I'm glad you mentioned that name per usual, Yovan, because he's <laughs> been he's been someone who's been a consummate professional despite. Whatever rotation is happening, if he's in it or not, he's been ready and he's come in and he's just been locked in from downtown. Jamichael Green, and I hope Jamichael is okay after that nasty fall last night, but he's been another one where his three-point shooting has really impacted this team. So I think that what the front office has created is a team that is centered around its two stars and almost its duo of two duos. The fact mm. that they've got the two in the starting lineup and the two off the bench, and both of them complement each other perfectly. So I like it. I think it'll continue. And I think that Paul is still going to be the driving force behind the three-point attack of this team.
0: And we haven't even seen Landry Shammett yet with, no. with, with those two, which yeah. is like, I mean, that that's the shiniest toy of all. He, he yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think he's funny. their best shooter. And it's funny because he was struggling early on, yeah. but he actually did have... A wrist issue. And I think that this has given him time to fully recover. I would expect mm-hmm. Landry Shamit to be back and to be even more impressive than what we saw last year at times because he, he's got that year under his belt. You can just tell there's a little bit more confidence to him this season. And defensively, he looked very strong to start the year. I was excited about what he did with his on-ball defense this season. And so, yeah, it'll be it'll be good to have him back in the lineup because it just makes this offense that much more difficult to guard because you have to account for him at all times.
0: Well, and something that doc has mentioned a few times this season is he's already noticed teams are defending Landry different, you know, differently than they they did last season. And they're really trying to scheme him out and just, you know, put a guy on him and you're in his Jersey and you're not letting this guy shoot no matter what, you're not helping off of him. You're you're, tracking him through screens. You're not switching off of him. Like, this is your guy. This is your assignment. And I think you can't really do that now if you put him out there with Kawhi or PG. Or if you do that, then, you know, Pat Beverly's open or Jermichael Green's open. Or you're single covering Kawhi or PG. And we see what happens when those guys get single covered. So I I think that, you know, that's kind of where I'm I'm really interested to see Landry's return is – I think he's going to get easier shots than he was beforehand. And if he's not, then that means Kawhi or PG is getting easier shots because of his gravity. So I think either way um, you know, teams can continue to really try to scheme him out and, you know, really focus on that. And if you do that, that's great. But now you only have four defenders for the other four guys. And if you send a trap or, you know, whatever you're late on a rotation, now all of a sudden you're playing three on two or, you know, however that dynamic is. And, Uh, Against this team, I I just think you, you can't really do that. So, yeah, well, especially
1: 100%. And especially now, if you've got both duos on the floor with Landry, so you put the five on the floor, Shamit, Kawhi, PG, and then Lou and Trez. Who are you coming off of to make sure that Landry doesn't get a shot? The guy that you probably would sag off of is Landry Shamit on that five. And if he gets an open three, he's knocking it down. So, That, to me, is their offensive death lineup, if you will. And then you go back to the defensive lineup, if you can put Pat in there and and Mo in there for Lou and potentially Landry or someone else. It's just the options and versatility this team has when fully healthy is scary. It it really is.
0: And and to your point, I I think Landry somewhat bridges the gap where there have been times where Doc will go offense-defense with Pat and Lou and, you know, if he needs a, you know, late in games, if he needs a basket, he obviously goes to Lou, but if he needs a, a stop, he goes to Pat. I feel like Landry is almost the best of both worlds where you, you know, he can get you a bucket or at least space the floor at a very, very high level. And then defensively, like, like you said, you know, he has improved. He can't hold his own. Frankly, I mean, they're putting him on usually the primary scoring guard, um, you know, when he was starting uh, and sometimes putting Pat on like a wing. So I, I do think Landry, you know, can, can defend guys at, at also a high level. So I think he's really developing into a nice three and D piece. Um, And, and you know, I was just looking at his, his defensive metrics on synergy and I was really impressed by those. And, you know, I think overall, like he, he might, you know, I think he's a really important piece. And, and, you know, it, it, I don't know where he ranks on the team in terms of like, if you're ranking the players, like, you know, is he, is he fifth? Is he sixth? Is he seventh? I don't know, but. Um, in terms of importance, like I think he's a huge piece that they've been missing. That probably pe- not enough people are talking about because you know, now that Kawhi and, and PG are, are healthy and, and you know playing together, everyone's kind of talking about that. But I think Landry, in, in terms of his importance on this team,
1: is right up there behind Lou and Trez. I I would agree with you, and I think that it, it's funny because Landry going out actually did somewhat help this team. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because it's allowed Mo to prove why he was such a a great find for this team, because he's been put on that primary ball handler a lot of times against Kemba Walker or sometimes Trey Young or James Harden late in games. And Mo has proven to Doc Rivers and to the fans and to everybody that not only is he going to accept that challenge, but he's probably going to win that challenge. He's been great on the primary defenders of the other, of opposing teams. And Doc Rivers, I think, found the best use for Mo Harkless. He's not, he's, he's not here to score the basketball. He's here to play lockdown defense and just be a high basketball IQ player. And that's what we've seen out of him recently. So now you have even more options. If you want to play on a heavy defensive lineup, you could put Mo in there with Landry. So now you don't suffer with the shooting or anything like that. Because Landry, we know this offseason, that was his main priority was to become a primary ball handler off the bench as a potential backup point guard option. And I think that might come to fruition more with his return because mm-hmm. now you realize, hey, Mo can guard Kemba Walker coming up the floor or Mo could guard Giannis or whatever, and you could put Landry on a wing, and now you don't suffer from his shooting being on the bench or anything like that. So I think, uh, I think that's actually where he's, the team as a whole has benefited most so far this season from Landry's unfortunate departure early, and I think they will benefit far more by getting him back on the floor. I'm glad you brought
0: up Mo because Mo is the guy that, to me, doesn't get enough. I mean, I think it's probably Mo and Zoo are, are the two guys who, who yeah. don't get enough credit, um, but especially Mo because I think the what, what Mo has done is, is you know, like you just said, he's guarding Kemba, he's he's guarding Giannis, um, you know, he he's guarding uh, James Harden and and Russell was he's guarding basically everybody, and yeah, I think. Luca and and what it does is just because Paul George and, and Kawhi can we what I've also noticed is people say Paul George's full name and just say Kawhi I, I, I like I've noticed it, it's been a, a thing since they got both but like <laughs> I've noticed when people talk about them they say Kawhi and Paul George I, I don't know uh but anyway um <laughs>
1: no we get PG
0: uh, we get PG sometimes but uh, but I, I it's like it's never Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It's always Kawhi and Paul George. I don't well, know. Well, you know um, you've
1: really made it when you're just the one name. That's yeah. the that's the mark. And of I guess Paul Paul is more of a common name than Kawhi. Um because so let's put it this way would you when when the Heat had everybody, did you say LeBron and Dwayne? No, you said LeBron I would and D. Wade. Yeah, I would say D. Wade, I guess. Or, D-Wade. or D. Wade. Yeah. yeah. So it would be Kawhi and PG. Yeah. I mean yeah, Le- 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 LeBron and Kawhi are more recognizable names Co- Kobe, than Kobe, a- you know, you, those the those ones that Magic, like the ones that have Michael, you could say Larry, like I feel like the ones that have the that level of champion status are one name people. Shaq. Yeah. So if the
0: Clippers win, I, I expect Paul yeah, to be I expect, Paul. Let's every, I think everybody on this team would just be their first name. Forget it. They'll just turn into Cher, all of them. They'll, they'll be two Patricks. But <laughs> yeah. um, but but back to Mo, I, I think what Mo he, he's such a luxury because I I think I mean, I've been thinking about this. I, I think it's a it's a bold statement, but I kinda wanna say he's been their best defender this season uh overall, I, I know the metrics will say Kawhi, but I feel like in terms of effort and j- just because I mean, the, the thing that's that's tricky with this, and, and this is why, like, I think some people give James Harden a, a little bit of a pass, not a full pass. But like when you're handling such a heavy offensive load, it is hard to play defense on the other end or at least play it fully engaged. That's why guys like Kawhi and PG, there you go, uh, are are rare because you know it, it you know, you don't often see guys who are putting up 25, 30 points and also locking down a team's best defender. Uh, so I, I think what we've seen from Mo is he's come in and, and really taken those assignments. You know, Doc has talked a little bit about it. Um, I, I know some of the coaching staff has talked about it, where they actually really love Kawhi and PG in those helping roles, in those free safety roaming like a Guys driving, they're reaching. They could tip out the ball. Um, you know, they're they're helping. They're that back line of defense because those guys are amazing at that. I mean, they're they're pretty much amazing at all aspects of defense, but they're really special at that. And there are a few guys in the league that can do what Kawhi and PG can do as help defenders. And I think when you have a guy like Mo, when you have a guy like Pat Beverly, who you can put on the ball and really pressure it uh, in different ways. You know, Pat's getting into guys' legs and, and really getting into their dribble. Then you got Mo, who's just this. 6'9 guy with a 7 foot plus wingspan and you know he can really uh, gamble and, and then make up for his mistakes with his length. Uh, I, I think that really disrupts guys on the ball. And then now you're trying to beat that guy and maybe you got a step, but now you have Kawhi or PG helping. And I think Mo has just been so vital for this team because he's allowed them to occasionally let PG and Kawhi rest. You know, in, in that Dallas game, you have primarily Mo on Luka and yes, the Clippers switch a lot. So if they run a pick and roll, um, you know they might switch Paul or, or Kawhi onto Luca. But for the most part, it, you know while he's out there, it's Mo. And then you have kind of Kawhi and PG not resting, but but you know not on as taxing of, of a you know defensive assignment. And then they can help and, and, and kind of do their thing and get out in transition. So I think that's where Mo has just been so valuable is that he's kind of allowed those two to not have to do as much defensively. Uh, they're still capable of it. You still see it. And I'm sure come playoff time, you know, maybe they'll go with Paul or Kawhi on a James Harden or a LeBron James uh, if they're facing them in the playoffs. But I think Mo's just ability to kind of, you know, basically defend at a similar level to those guys it has really been underrated and has really been a key to this team gelling defensively the way it has because, you know, not many teams have, you know, multiple guys at this level uh, who could defend at that high of a level. So, Uh, To me, Mo is the guy who doesn't really get talked about, uh, doesn't get as much credit as I think he should, but he, to me, has been a huge key to this defensive success.
1: And and Doc Rivers would echo that sentiment for sure. I think the other guy to mention with Mo is Rodney Magruder Mm -hmm. as well. I think that Rodney has done a terrific job when he's been healthy of fitting into the role that this team needs him to fit into. If that makes sense, both those guys, I think, embody that. Perfectly, Mo and Rodney, because Mo knows that he's going to get in there and he's going to guard whoever he's asked to guard with great efficiency. He knows he has great help. And as you said, I think the best part about this team's defense is the versatility and the switchability that they have. At one time, they can have five guys who can guard all five positions pretty much. And that's really rare, and that's really difficult to score on. I mean, we've seen this defensive death lineup, if you will, down the stretch in games. I don't know who can score on that with regularity. When you've got Kawhi, PG, (laughs) Mo, Pat Beverly, and Trez, that's just – it's hard. It's hard to score on. The only way that I could think of is by getting some sort of pin down with Trez, but even then you're likely going to get help with PG or Kawhi coming from behind And that just makes life that much more difficult. And now I'd say what we've seen the last 10 or so games is this team really figuring out their defensive rotations. That was the, to me, the most worrisome part of that first four or five games was defensive rotations were a little out of whack. And the coaching Mm -hmm. staff after, I want to say the Phoenix game, I remember the shoot around the next shoot around after that Phoenix game, that was basically the entire time. It was a little bit longer than normal. And Rex Kalamian, Brendan O'Connor, they focused for a good 40 minutes on just defensive rotations. And the next game, it made a huge difference. And so that, to me, has been where Mo and where Rodney and those types of guys have helped because they can take the primary ball handler and allow for guys like PG and Kawhi with such great defensive instincts to just roam around and be able to rotate seamlessly through the defense. And Zoo has done a great job protecting the rim in his limited minutes. Trez has done a better job this season, I feel like, of being a good rim protector and taking charges, by the way, second in the league in total charges taken. He's been awesome. And Lou, honestly, I feel like has stepped up defensively, especially in big moments. Not necessarily for a full 48 minutes, but in the fourth quarter, when the Clippers need a big defensive play, Lou has been there, and I think he knows, and he has talked about this that he will be the weakest link that teams might attack offensively, and he knows that he needs to be locked in, and he has been so far this season. It's been great to watch. Uh,
0: that's a good point. I think Lou, overall, I would not say is a plus defender, but he had he you know one thing he's really good at that he doesn't get enough credit for is his ability to play passing lanes and yep. he almost will play behind a guy as if he's about to seed kind of like post. Cause that's, that's what you do is you, you post up Lou Williams. Like you, you
1: like if, if he's defending, you well, know, I, I like, don't post up Lou Williams, no. <laughs> maybe maybe you post up Lou Williams, but I'm five <laughs> foot eight and I would still get cooked. <laughs> so,
0: but you, you, teams will try to go on, uh, you know, uh, you post him up depending on who he's guarding. And he'll kind of like play behind them and then all of a sudden kind of pull the chair and then go, you know, steal the ball, tip it, whatever. Um, he did that actually to clay a couple of times in the playoffs, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think overall this team is, has been trending in the right direction. Defensively. They've been a top three defense for over a month. Now um, we're the best defense for a large part of that stretch. Um, curious. Uh, two, two more questions here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, What is one thing you are concerned about, if anything, kind of moving forward within the next 10 to 20 games or or something that's on your radar that you're like, I kind of want to see how this plays out, but maybe it's giving
1: me a little bit of pause for concern right now. Uh, It's really just the health question. I mean, at this point, after last night, we just saw Jamichael go down on an offensive rebounding attempt, and I don't know what the deal is with his tailbone. I'm assuming we'll get some word soon. Magruder is now down with the hamstring injury and Shaman is still out with the ankle injury. So right now, if that's the case, going into the game tomorrow against Portland, that's three rotation guys who will not be playing potentially in that game. That's you're missing a large chunk of that depth that is making this team so scary. So I think it's the health and Doc Rivers says it all the time. Whenever I say, what are you worried about most? It's health, it's health, it's health. Everybody in this organization just is, is hoping for health at the end of the season. That is the goal because I think we all feel that if this team is fully healthy by the time the playoffs come around, this team at very minimum has a chance to compete for a title and I think has a really good chance to compete for a title just based on the personnel that they have, based on some of just the championship pedigree that they have. You go through the list. They're right at the top of the list. So. Health is the biggest thing. That's the biggest concern, I would say, with anybody surrounding the Clippers at this point.
0: I'm with you. I, I think if I had to nitpick and, and find something, I would say there's been time. Well, it'd be a twofold thing where I feel like they have these offensive lulls, which the, the, the team t- has talked about it. And, and they you know talked about it yesterday. It was, it was kind of a big talking point where. You know, chemistry-wise, they're, they're still figuring it out, and yeah. it's it's harder, um, or at least it's been harder for them to figure out the offensive end than the defensive end, and the defensive end just because of their length and like like you've said, their, their versatility, the switchability, the flexibility, uh, all the abilities. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's been e- it's been an easier process. Defense is inherently a little more simple than offense, and you know you can kind of plug and play different guys and like Kwai, pg mo on pat on and on like these guys are good defenders they know how to play defense like sure there's going to be some you got to get the rotations down the the timing the communication but for the most part if if you're a good defender you throw good defenders together they're going to figure it out the offensive end that's way more about spacing and, and pace and timing and um, you know, just on-court chemistry. I mean, this team hasn't practiced, you know, they practiced once in like what feels like a month, basically. Yeah. Uh, but to me, I, I would say there are some lulls where I'm like, th- like it, what's funny is they've, you know, I said this, you know, coming out of the break, like they're seventh in offensive rating and 10th and in defense rating. So like the offense has actually been better than the defense, uh, you know, over the, the full, you know, uh, you know, ledger of the season. But I, there's been some times where I've been like, all right, this doesn't, Like this offense is a little bit concerning right now. And then, you know, on the other side, it's almost, I felt like some of their higher offensive performances, they've almost gotten kind of away with some bad habits where it's just like Paul and Kawhi are so brilliant, lose so brilliant at shot making that even if they aren't moving the ball well, or they are stagnating a bit, those guys can just cook anybody one on one where... It kind of masks some of the because there are also times where you, I mean, you saw it to an extent last night. You saw it in the Atlanta game. Uh, you've seen it against Boston and in Houston, where this team can have beautiful ball movement and and they could dissect. Um, you know, Atlanta and, and Washington aren't the best defenses in the league, but Houston and Boston or Houston's, uh, I guess, but Boston was you know a top four or five defense. Um, you know, they you know, Toronto really good. Defense. Like they, they've had these stretches where. They will just shred a really good defense, and you're like, "Wow!" Like when this team's moving the ball, when they're spacing the floor, when they're on the same page offensively, like they're amazing. Like they have like the the chance to be the best offense in the league, or at least like a top three. But then there's these these times where they just don't move the ball. It's too much isolation, too much, um, you know, early early shot clock stuff. And I think I get a little concerned. So I think overall, like they're gonna. I mean, the defense is already there. Basically, it's only gonna get better. The offense will get better, but I'm, I'm, I am I'm guess I'm going to be monitoring over the next 10 to 20 games sort of the, the ball movement, some of the stagnation offensively, and, and how that changes, how that improves, and, and how Landry really affects that because I do think Landry's ability to move off the ball to space the floor will open some stuff up that they haven't necessarily had.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Landry because I think that he will fix a lot of those types of issues of just the movement on the offensive end at very minimum, you know he's going to be running around and it's going to force the offense to engage and start the engine almost of the whole thing. But I think at the end of the day, it just comes back to timing and, and the only way that you're going to get that is by playing together. And we still haven't seen this group completely healthy all together at once. We haven't seen them practice together in forever, it seems like, and we'll get one soon. But one, we haven't seen a practice in which Kawhi and PG have been in their correct spots ever. <laughs> there has not been a single practice, and they've still played as well as they have so far, which is a testament to the players, the coaching staff, and everybody included. Uh, but I think that just repetitions, the more you do it, the better it gets, and for example, we could do this podcast all over again. It would be just better than this one. Don't you agree? No, I, I think it'd be. I, <laughs> I, I thought this was a good one. We, we had good no, kind of, time. It, you know, it was natural. It was great. Uh, no, it's been great. It's been, you're the best, Jovan. Trust me. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, I would say that just doing it more often. And the reason, because I, listen, I love the stats. I love looking at offense, defensive rating and seeing the Clippers at 7th you say, oh, wow, they've been a good offensive team. But then you put in perspective and say, okay, well, they put 150 up on Atlanta, 150 up on Washington, and 140 on Golden State. So they've had three monster offensive performances Mm -hmm. with some lackluster ones mixed in there. So I think those (coughs) stats, they tell a story. They just don't tell the full story. And the Clippers, I think that full story is still unwritten. And when everybody is healthy and they've gotten some games under their belts, it's just going to be, to me, I think they have a, the, they have the chance to be a work of art on both ends of the floor. And that's what they're striving towards. So last question here.
0: Uh, I mean, I I guess it it kind of ties into your your last answer, but what are you most excited for over the the next 10 to 20 games to see? Um, Is it just more reps with, Uh, you know, Paul George and Kawhi. Is it uh, I just did that. (laughs) Um, Is it Landry returning? Like what are you most excited for uh, uh, over the next, I guess, month or so?
1: I'll be honest. I'm excited for one main game and that's the game in in Toronto. I think that's going to be a really good test for Kawhi and for this team overall to see how they can react on the road in a hostile, but emotional environment. Because to me, That was one of the games at home that felt like a playoff game when Toronto came. Just the way that that, the aura that game had, it just had a little extra to it. And I think that it it certainly will when it's in Toronto. And it's going to be a good test for this team to see. And uh, you could throw Milwaukee in there too in this next coming road trip. I just think all those games that are on the road against good teams in the league that will be hostile environments, it just will show the makeup of this team and we've seen it a little bit already in some of these games but now that they've had some time together now that Kawhi and PG have had some time to gel a little bit together and it's, it's crazy they've only played six games still together and the Clippers are 15 and six it's unbelievable how they've weathered this early going in the season against <laughs> one of the toughest schedules in the NBA it's crazy it really is and so now it's how will they react on the road how will they react on the road against good teams? And how will they continue to build this chemistry? I'd say those are the things I'll be looking out for and see. To me, that's what, what makes the difference from a great team and a championship team is how do you handle hostile environments on the road against good teams in this league? And one more
0: I'll add in there is uh, Christmas Day. Yes. So I think that that's, that's right. the one, you know, like that's – it's almost the game of the year for me where, you, you know, you don't want to put too much like too much value on one game. But I think at that point, you know, b- both teams are what, two months into the season two two plus months. And like you, you can't deny it just feels like these two teams are going to have to go through each other at some point. Yes. Uh, d- during the, the postseason.
1: Yes. And- Although so. So here's the thing with the other team in Los Angeles. One, we all, we've all we all seen this. Their schedule up to this point has been very uh, loose. Let's say that. Cake, 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 cake. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't say that. I, you said it. <laughs> you said that. What I'll say is, so far... Uh, that was after, actually Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I thought it was Flo Rida. Uh, So Rida. <laughs> so far, through however many games they've played now, 20, I think, they are... and against teams with a better than 500 record after their loss yesterday to Dallas. They've got a tough road in December. I am very intrigued as to how that team will respond to some adversity potentially this month because they haven't really gotten it quite yet, and they've won a lot of the games which they're supposed to win, which is a good sign. That's good for them, but it's very different. What we've seen from the Clippers is they've been toe-to-toe and they've taken a lot of games from the likes of Boston and Houston and Dallas and uh, some of the better teams in the NBA so far this season and Toronto. And they they went toe-to-toe down the stretch with Milwaukee without Kawhi and Paul George. So that's – to me, that's just all – it's almost swapping roles even though the Clippers don't get an easy – walk through here on this road trip, but it's just I want to see how the other team responds and then going into that December 25th matchup Christmas Day in what should be the most anticipated, I think, L.A. L.A. game maybe ever. Mm -hmm. It's going to be crazy just based on how the first one went. It's going to be unbelievable. And I think what might differentiate is how those teams are feeling going into the game because road gets tougher for one road gets maybe a tad simpler, although the road actually being on the road doesn't help, but <laughs> it's just, you know, you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Like, I think that the psyches could be completely different heading into Christmas. Yeah. I like that. You refer to them as the other team. That, yeah. Uh... <laughs> what's what's their name? I don't, I don't know <laughs> the other team.
0: Well, what's fu- it's funny. Cause I, I have so many, you know, naturally being from LA, I, I have so many uh, other team friends, <laughs> and I, you know, my, I don't like debating basketball with, uh, with, with people that aren't reasonable, uh, which, uh, you well, draw I don't know conclusions why, you'd have, of, don't know know why you have me on the podcast. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but, reasonable but about life.
0: <laughs> but what I, what I've tried to tell them is I'm like, you know, when they make the, the Clippers versus other team comparison, I'm just sticking to this bit now. Uh, I'm like, if you, first off, if you took off LeBron and if LeBron and AD missed as many games as Kawhi and PG have missed their schedule, I mean, the, the record would be much worse, but even if you don't, all right, they they play the same amount of games, whatever, you know, how many games they played. If you just reverse the schedules, I, I think, you know, the, the record would, would clearly be worse too. So it's like, I think context always matters. And if you want to just go by what the current record is or what the current net rating is or whatever, like, Sure, you can make the case that they've been the better team so far, but one team already won the head-to-head matchup, and, and they were without one of their stars. And they've also played a much more challenging schedule and they're only uh, you know, a few games back in the loss column despite playing better teams and, and not having you know their stars for basically half of those games. So I, I just think if you're going to go th- that route and make that comparison, like the context really matters because I think the context favors the Clippers.
1: For sure. For sure. I think here's the thing. I I have nothing but respect for the other team. I do. And I think that they've got a great makeup to their roster. Obviously, when you've got two of the best players in the league, that's going to help. And LeBron James is still playing at an elite level, an upper echelon type of level. And Anthony Davis is really difficult to stop. He can be dominant at any given moment. But I would agree. I think that what the Clippers have had to endure so far this season has been far more difficult than most teams have, period, and certainly than the other team here in Los Angeles. And what the Clippers have done that has impressed me is they've, no matter who's on the court, like they they haven't lost that identity from last season. And I think that was somewhat of a question mark going into the year. Like, what does Kawhi or PG do to the chemistry and to – the identity that this team had last season that carried them to 48 wins. And it hasn't affected that. It, it almost has made it stronger. We've seen them go down 10 late in games a couple of times, come back and win it. This team is resilient, hardworking, gritty. And that that's the main difference that I've seen between those two squads is when the adversity is there, the Clippers just – they never fold. They just never – you never count them out. Even in San Antonio – in the fourth quarter, you just felt like, hey, this team could come back at any time. This game's not over. And against Milwaukee without Kawhi, without Paul George, the fact that they had their chances down the stretch to potentially steal that game from the Bucks, or against Boston down by 10 with a couple minutes left, down seven with two minutes left, doesn't matter. They've got so many big shot makers to go along with this belief that they're going to win every game. And you wrote a great column about it, but it's just... It's just that that's what's been so amazing to me about this group is their makeup is the same, if not stronger. The identity of being like this, this team that's just not going to give up no matter what is still there. And that's what I love about this group altogether is just no matter the situation, they believe they're going to win.
0: All right, Noah. Well, I've taken up enough of your time. Uh, I have to go get a haircut, too. I, I got a weird for weird <laughs> uh is that a brag weird flex uh i'm not i'm not i'm not disclosing where i'm getting the haircut or how much it costs but it costs too much i'll say that all right weird Um, flex that's a (laughs) (laughs) look my hair is important all right Uh, i agree you're talking
1: to you're talking to someone who cares deeply about his hair so (laughs) talking to a broadcaster (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I'm trying to make sure I have that Brian semen hair. Yeah, That's impossible. Um, he just, Brian just <laughs> focuses really hard on like his forehead. He just, he focuses and it just stays in place. Like you can't touch it. It's got a force field almost around it. It's impressive. I wish I could do the same. Trust me.
0: What, what, what are the, one of the things I will always regret that was left on the cutting room floor is, uh, in the Q and did with Brian heading into the season, uh, I asked him about his hair process and. You know, all right. Post shower, what, what what are you doing? Are you, you blow drying? Are are you drying your like he? And he broke it down beautifully, uh, as he would, and uh, it, it got cut from the story, so people will never know. Only I know Brian Seaman's hair secrets, uh, mm. and I'm not going to share them. I, I will share them if if someone offers me money, but uh, other than that, <laughs> I, I'm keeping those and implementing them into my daily routine. Wow, wow! I'll tell I, you them uh, off air. Okay, huge. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thank you for your time. I know you're you're super busy and you got important things to do. Uh, so thank you. Where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram?
1: At no eagle 15. You know where to find me. That's me. I'm no eagle. And people <laughs> think I'm 15. So <laughs> I was gonna say. it goes together.
0: Uh, well, well, thank you, man. Uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Uh, you know, maybe a, a few times during the season. And uh, congrats on your first couple months
1: uh, covering the team. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, Yovan. And seriously, anytime, happy to do it. That was a fun
0: conversation. I appreciate Noah coming on the pod. If you have not checked it out already, I wrote a feature on Noah a couple weeks ago on the Athletic. His journey from Syracuse to the Clippers, uh, being one of the youngest broadcasters ever to be hired for this type of position. Uh, you know, talk about. His journey, how he got into the business, uh, his re- relationship with his dad, and how, just dealing with that kind of dynamic of, of his dad, uh, Ian being one of the most prominent figures in the business. What he's learned from him, what he's tried to differentiate uh, from his dad, uh, and then talk to uh, some other people. You know, Joe Davis, uh, the, the voice of the Dodgers. Just talking to him about what it's like to be a young broadcaster uh, in the business in in, in LA. So. If you've not read that yet, I highly recommend it. Um, if you do not follow me on social media, you should check out my Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. That is at J O V A N B U H A. If you've not subscribed to The Athletic yet or this podcast, I highly recommend you do both of those. Uh, you can get a 40% off promo code to subscribe to The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash clip city, C L I P C I T Y, you can subscribe for free for a week. Give us a a one week trial. And if you like it, you can keep subscribing. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe, but I don't think you will make that decision. Uh, So again, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, follow Noah and subscribe to The Athletic for our awesome subscriber only podcasts and our written content, which you can only find on our platform. Thank you very much. I will talk to you guys in a few days.